I, I don't think it's a weird year for lack of differentiation. If I went and I went to my year end ratings last year, I, I, I just looked at, I think between like 10th and 25th or whatever, it's a difference yeah. of like four points. I don't think if we went to past years, it would be much different. I, I do think this year is a little bit different in that, uh, at least at the top of the NFL, I'm not seeing as many extremes. You know, we could usually rely on teams like Green Bay and Tampa Bay to be pretty serious, more serious Super Bowl contenders than some of the other teams. And we're, we're simply just not seeing that this year. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Cole joining you here. My guest today is Ed Fang. He is the proprietor of the Power Rank, which does predictions for a bunch of different sports, not only NFL and college football. He also just got done wrapping up the World Cup, does some baseball stuff, does some basketball stuff, and especially great content that he has on March Madness. Check out Ed on Twitter at the Power Rank, his website thepowerrank.com, and then also he has the Football Analytics podcast, which you should check out. Great content there and stuff that I listen to on a weekly basis. And if you're coming here for the first time to this podcast, maybe a fa uh, fan of Ed's different work, you should also check out my content, gratuitous plug here for the Unexpected Points Substack. That's Unexpected Points, all one word, dot substack.com a daily article on football analytics. I have my adjusted quarterback efficiency rating coming out. The second version, the 2.0 version of that, which adjusts for receiver strength, strength of schedule, scheme information, offensive line blocking, and many, many more things to get a better context around quarterback efficiency. I also do this podcast here. So subscribe if you're interested in what you're doing here. I have an interview with an important person an insightful person in the football analytics space on a weekly basis. And then on Fridays for subscribers to the Substack, I do a Q&A and a wrap-up here for unexpected points. Otherwise, uh, Ed and I on this podcast, we discuss our power ranks. The power rank discusses power ranks for the rest of the season. Some teams who may be under or overvalued versus market perception. And then we also go into a lot of what's going to happen here in week 16 and what our power ranks are telling us about how much teams should be favored for versus what the market is looking at. There's also a little soccer talk in between, and we make our joint combine plans in this episode. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. Again, like and subscribe if you're interested. Leave a review. I appreciate all of that so much. But for now, here's Ed. Welcome, Ed, to the show. Uh, long time coming. I don't know how I actually haven't had you on here before because I've been on your multiple different podcasts a couple times before. And in the terms of, I would say, people who I've met, internet friends through the internet and then become real life friends, we, we go back like a significant amount of time being like maybe circa 2018. I would say 2017 is a pretty long time in the history of all things social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here and, and talk NFL. And yes, it has been a long time. I mean, there were Sloans before the pandemic and uh, I've always enjoyed chatting football with you and 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 uh, look forward to your work. And uh, I'm excited to to look at your new Substack. Uh, always looking for for good takes and 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 uh, reasoned uh, analysis. So I'm looking forward to that. 
Yeah, well, you might have to sift through the bad takes and the irrational analysis to to get to some of that, but I appreciate that. Yeah, speaking of Sloan, I think it's probably that where you were you were like my my Sloan, what can I call it? Chaperone Angel something where you basically <laughs> via you, I think I met uh Rufus Peabody who I yeah. who I didn't really know, but you just a Rufus, Rob Pozzola, um spanky who could forget spanky good old spanky yep. uh who i think i met actually before i saw you in 2019 but then also the spankster came back around uh for some other things there oh uh, uh also a table and a and a uh a, a long you know in-depth conversation with mina kimes based upon you filtering me in and using your uh like the the kind of asian mafia way of helping me get into that table with her and pablo torre and some <laughs> other people there so i appreciate that yeah that was kind of one of the most random ones ever ending up at a table with a bunch of them that has absolutely nothing to do with being asian or my even knowing them i i remember <laughs> i thought I remember you made some joke about that exactly. at the time but i can't remember yeah I mean, I remember the conversation exactly. I have no idea why I ended up at the table. I mean, I had known Pablo from before we had chatted. I'd never talked to Mina. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was that, that was, was good that times. Was good you are, I would say, and because I'm awful at this, but you're like one of these guys who's a really who's like a really good networker, but it's in a way where it's not like in any sort there, there's not a purposeful you know maybe because you know networking there's always a little bit of yep, yep. deception deception may not be the right word but you know ulterior motive in a way where yeah. you do it in such a natural way that it doesn't really seem like there's an all it doesn't seem like and there isn't an ulterior motive which is good for me because like i said then it just networked i was able to just network through you network through proxy rather than having to actually do it myself which makes me terrified I think I was pretty lucky by the time I met you I was pretty well established with the site and kind of my position in the industry and I don't really need a lot of things when I when I go to these events, right? So, it, and I think that was different before uh, I had met you. Maybe you know, like a decade ago, going to Sloan, I was definitely more in the market for favors. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to go, and I think even if you want something, I think it's always important to just try to have the long term relationship, right? Like I, you know, I, I yeah. go to meet people like you that I that I want to talk to for years upon years, right? Like not. You know, not not because, uh, I, you know, not just to get on this podcast, even though I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Uh, right yeah. yeah, trust me, you know, you're not going to get you're not going to get a very huge bump on, on this podcast. Um, But no, no. So that was that was great. It, like my social calendar was, it was taken care of in, in that sort of way. Are you going to go here in 2023 to the somewhat maligned uh, Sloan Analytics Conference? I don't know if, if you read a while back that article came out. It was kind of strange timing in The Washington Post about the you know how much it costs and some of the focus away yeah. from analytics and on these big name people and all this other sort of stuff um are you going to be back in 2023 there because i think i may come again and just do what i did last year which is go but then don't even go to the conference just like hang yeah. out basically and see people i don't know kevin um i i think the answer a couple months ago was no uh you know there there is bet bash now and so that's been an event over the last uh, couple of years were a lot of speaking of spanky yeah yeah the spanky started bet bash and it's become a great event and bet bash is happening in august and circa and i'm definitely going to that i mean i don't really have a choice in my line of work whether i go to that or not and then i had kind of planned on going to the nfl combine 
this next year yeah yeah that's a tough one i'm trying to figure so, that one out yeah there i have to look up the exact dates but often they're the they're like the exact same week being that very, sloan yeah. was really founded by daryl moray and more of yeah. a like basket it's kind of a, a weird in-between season for basketball people to show up right so uh i may go to the combine i think the combine i mean i mean that would be really important because i would like to get I would like to meet some people that I could have on my podcast. Uh, and that was kind of in my mind that I would do that. You don't really have to pay or anything, right? I mean, I can just drive to Indianapolis. And I think this is one of the last years that I can do that and, and just meet some people. Yeah. But I kind yeah, of I've been there without a press pass before, too. Like, you don't really need yeah. a press pass unless you want to go to, like, their little radio row section and oh. be on some of those podcasts. But there's plenty. I mean, it's a very tiny part of the whole experience. What's actually going on where you need the, uh, you know, the laminated uh, 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 necklace to get in there. Yeah. I don't need any of that. I just, just, I, I can figure out how to, you know, just try to meet people at cafes. You should go, you should go. Cause then I'll go. And then okay. I'll just tag along with you the, cool. the, the entire time. No, we can tag and, along boom. together. Like you actually probably That's know true. more people at the combine now than I do. I that might say. be true. That yeah, that that'll be a little bit more of of my environment there potentially yeah. than you. So good, yeah. We yeah, repay so the, be, pay it forward or not pay it. That forward. would be great. Pay it but actually, we maybe we should paying it backwards. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, just just helping each other out, right? Yeah, actually, we should probably decide just on this podcast publicly, right? Because I mean, I kind of yeah, want to go to okay. Let's do let's do the combine. Let's do the combine. And right, Indianapolis, combine. I'm right. sure there's a nice. There's a nice little spot there. We can stay if everything yeah. is no, no, let's, all let's connected. All right, I'm in. Okay, we're okay. Done. We're in the combine, so we'll 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 talk combine talk a little bit later when we get to to around the time uh, February March. We'll we'll reconnect on that. But I want to talk about the power rank. So that is your site, and I am putting out some power rankings on my site. People love the power rankings, yet I am interested in your take on this because when i come out with a listed rank here and we could talk about how you develop some of your stuff there too when i come with a listed rank for me the difference between maybe the 10th best team in the nfl and the 23rd 25th even <laughs> sometimes getting down about 25 it's really not that big nope. of a difference here so people go wild over the fact they're like oh how can you have the vikings at 16 or wherever that wherever i have them right now and it's just like well they're not really that different from being 10 right now versus versus some other teams it's just everyone is so bunched up there do you think this is a weird year for the uh lack of differentiation in the middle of the nfl in particular i i don't think it's a weird year for lack of differentiation if i went and i went to my year-end ratings last year i i, I just looked at i think between like 10th and 25th or whatever it's a difference yeah. of like four points I don't think if we went to past years, it would be much different. I, I do think this year is a little bit different in that, uh, at least at the top of the NFL, I'm not seeing as many extremes. You know, we could usually rely on teams like Green Bay and Tampa Bay to be pretty serious, more serious Super Bowl contenders than some of the other teams. And we're, we're simply just not seeing that this year. You know, in the AFC, we still have Kansas City. Uh, I still have a lot of respect for Buffalo. Um but, you know, they're, they're not crushing it in the numbers. Like, you know, we kind of see the Super Bowl favorite do. Obviously, without Von Miller, they're, you know, the, the case for them is a Super Bowl. Prohibitive Super Bowl favorite goes down a little bit. They're still obviously an excellent team. Um, 
But I, I think there is there, there's maybe a little bit more packing into that fat middle of the NFL this year. Um, but but yeah, you're always going to see that, right? I mean, you're always going to see that that somewhat nice distribution with a with that fat middle in the NFL, and and then you can really uh, distinguish between teams at the top that deserve to be there, and then the, the Atlantas and the Houston's of the world that are kind of outliers on the other end. Yeah, yeah, definitely Houston's an outlier on the other end. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, I guess what happens is because of the fact that. It's bunched up in the middle, as always. That's, you're probably right. That That's something. But it's more like beyond what may be a first or second tier in the NFL, what would be your third tier of teams is just so meh at this point that whenever, mm-hmm. no matter who you're going to rank the 10th best team in the NFL, say between 10 and 12 in the NFL, you would say just on its face, just from what your perception would be about team 10, 11, and 12, you'd say, oh, that's not a top 12 team. But then you realize and you look at all the, the teams listed 13 through 32 and none of those are, would, would fall into your mind of being a top 12 team either. I mean, let me just tell you what I got here and then you can sure. you can tell me who you got and we can think here. Now, a team that probably probably Minnesota people would say they fall into it. Unfortunately for me, they don't. They may for you. So I have nope. the, the Bucks, <laughs> the Packers and the Jets as, as being the 10th, 11th and 12th ranked teams in here. And, you know, none of them are great, right? But then if you start to go below them, we have uh, mm. the Vikings, the Pats, the Saints, the Jaguars, the Seahawks, the Chargers. I mean, I don't know if anyone's thrilled with any of those teams either. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, let me tell you my uh, – uh, so I got the Chargers 10th, Dolphins 11th, okay. and the Saints 12th. So I think this is going to show you a little bit about I, – I would guess I would say – why mine tends to be a little different. I'm probably putting a little bit more weight under the preseason than a lot of other people are doing at this point. It is based on this belief. Yeah, that yeah. I have almost none. I have almost none at this point. So that helps the Chargers then, I'd assume, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and we can pull up my numbers based on only data from the current season because I think that'll be interesting as well. But the Chargers are that high probably because I weight my prior a little bit more. Uh, the Dolphins are that low probably because I weight my prior a little bit more. And then the Saints are actually pretty interesting because points-wise, they're terrible. But when I look at some of my underlying efficiency metrics, uh, it looks a lot better. So when I do yeah, a lot no, of I've been 14. I'm at 14. So, yeah, above average, slightly. Right. Um, I mean, I was a little bit surprised to dig in today. And uh, when I look at passing success rate adjusted for opponent, they're 12th. Seems pretty high for what they put on the scoreboard. And they certainly haven't put a lot on the scoreboard and there's been a multi there's been a lot of teams where the underlying metrics are a lot better than than what they're doing and then i have them eighth on defense so new orleans is a team that i'm kind of looking at that that might be a little underrated might be uh might be able to find some value if they weren't playing in absurd windy conditions in cleveland this weekend uh it's, it's a team that i think is interesting that's a very interesting game because Yep. If you go ahead, let me let me pull it up now. I saw some stats on here and I can't remember the year, but the stat was this total of 31 and a half, 31 and a half points in an NFL football game. This is not Army Navy people. 31 and a half points <laughs> in this game was the lowest total since I don't know 2008 or something like that. I can't remember what it was. That's a wild number. It is. It is a wild number and I think it's probably you know, Cleveland's defense, is, they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Uh, New Orleans' offense hasn't looked good. 
Um, what's your take on uh, how Deshaun's looked in three weeks back? I mean, I think he's looked fine. I was a little bit surprised when I had a blurb as part of my week wrap up here that the Browns were winning in spite of Deshaun Watson. Just saying over the last three games, he's been maybe a bottom half sort of efficiency quarterback, whereas Jacoby Brissett, it wasn't probably going to continue into the future for a very long time, but he was a top half quarterback and the defense against admittedly weak competition in the form of the Texans and the uh, Lamar Jackson less Ravens as two of their three teams have, were something like second or third in EPA per play against over that stretch. And I was surprised people jumped back and were like, Oh, they're actually a little bit mad. I think there's a sense that some people are piling on about the, how, how bad he has been after they, you know, mortgage their draft capital slash contract slash maybe they mm-hmm. mortgage their soul a little bit to get, get into John Watson as part of this deal. But I, I'm pretty high on Watson. I mean, if his numbers were, and it's, I don't know what you do with this like two year layoff sort of thing, but if there was never a two year layoff and I just assume that his numbers leading into that 2020 season were right up until right now, he would look pretty similar to someone like Josh Allen in my projections as being in that second tier of quarterbacks behind Patrick Mahomes. Right. But then you do have the two-year layoff, right? So like, you know, like I haven't had a chance to see him play, which is why I asked you. Um, Numbers-wise, he looks... He's gotten better. He's gotten better. He looked out of sorts, the the Texans game for sure. I mean, they didn't score an offensive touchdown in that game. I know that the last game, they only had 13 points, so it looked bad, but they only had nine drives apiece. It was a slog Mm -hmm. sort of game. Long drives, especially for the Ravens, which ended up in zero points. Um, which took a lot of time off the clock. So he looked better, and the Ravens' defense has gotten a lot better. So he looked better there. Um, I think he's gotten better each week. It just hasn't really looked good or clicking at this point. Which I think you should expect, given the layoff that he's had. So I don't think that's that's uncommon at all. I mean, it's a tough Um, one for me because you don't don't have a lot of evidence other than guys missing a year for an ACL or something like that to decide what was going to happen. We don't really know. Is it like riding a bike or is it something that you need a real ramp up time for, especially if you're coming in uh, in week, you know, 13 versus coming in week one, having missed a year? I I think you need some ramp up time. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, that's where. We're getting in a small sample. We're getting <laughs> we're getting some evidence evidence towards that. Okay, let's look at well. Let's talk process a little bit because we didn't even talk about that yet. So, sure. what is your process? What are you weighing in this a little bit more so than let's say we have some we have nerds listening to this podcast. We're a little familiar with expected points added that sort of stuff. So, if you're going to take a sure. plot, let's say the Ben Ben Baldwin's you know site, he, he's just going to plot EPA per play offense. EPA per play defense, you plot them against each other, you do a 60-40 split. That's what he does with this tiering on there between offense and defense. And then boom, there's your tiers in the NFL. Simple, easy sort of way. How would how does your methodology differ most significantly from just doing something simple like that? Right. I mean, the the primary thing that I'm looking at is passing success rate in the NFL. Okay. Passing is king. Uh, I don't take a lot of rushing metrics, although I do feel like that's going to change in the off season. Um, but I primarily look at passing success rate. Uh, you can define it a bunch of different ways. I kind of use the definition that, uh, that Bill Connolly started using from college football. So you need 50% of plays towards the next first down on first down, 70% on second down and, and all on, on third and fourth down. And success rate is, is, 
it's an efficiency metric and it kind of strips out the random element of explosive plays. So when, when you look at, um, I mean, you can show that passing, passing success rate on offense is, is the most sticky thing from early to late season in the NFL and significantly more so than um, EPA per dropback. So that's why I tend to use that. Uh, I, I use that. It's not as sticky on defense. Um, I still put that in there and then, uh, have the caveat that, uh, you know, if you have a team, uh, I don't know what's a good example. Uh, yeah, like a team like Kansas City, that's first in adjusted passing success rate on offense and 25th on defense. Well, it's more likely that they're going to continue to be somewhat near the top on offense and that the defense will regress towards the mean, which I, I feel like we say that every year, right? It's like, yeah, the defense is probably better than <laughs> than what it, what it, it is. Um so uh, I use that. I use yards per pass attempt, which is something I've been using on my site in the NFL for forever. <laughs> I mean, I think since I first started doing this, um, I still use some points-based metrics as well. And um, yeah, I put those all together. And in and, and a lot of that, that's like one element that goes into it. I, I actually call like uh, those three factors all adjusted. Oh, and, and, I, and I adjust for opponent. Um, so that's kind of how I got started in this business. And I, so I see no reason why, why not to, when you do have different strengths of schedules and yeah, so that, that's kind of the component of my rankings that's based on data from the current season. And, you know, it's kind of interesting there too. Like, I mean, if we look at just data from this season, 10th, I have Detroit, 11th, I have Green Bay and 12th, I have the Jets. So, you know. Yep. Green Bay is one of those teams uh, that hasn't really done it on the scoreboard, but you know I've been looking at their efficiency numbers all year, and you know they've been they've been pretty decent um, on both sides of the ball. Again, hasn't come up on the scoreboard, hasn't come up in the win and loss columns, but now they're finally getting healthy, have a pretty big game down at Miami, still in the playoff race, so so that should be an interesting team. Um, and then. Yeah, so so that's a lot about how I do uh, a big part of my numbers for the current year. Yeah, well, let's 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 talk Green Bay for a second. I think it's gonna be an interesting one. So I have them at eleventh now, probably from similar reasons to you. What gives them a little bit of a bump and pushes puts them again above these teams that are really stuck around the middle for me is I decay or give less weighting to earlier results. Is that something that you're doing as part of your process too? For me. It's like, uh, I'll just go all the way back exactly what I'm doing. It's more like I would have, it's like the last result is basically 95% of this result. And then I take it to the power of whatever that goes back. Mm -hmm. So for about 10 weeks old, it's maybe about 60% as weighted as the most recent game for mine. So it helps a team like Green Bay, in addition to the fact that I guess you could probably add in some injury adjustments there with Bakhtiari and other players who were, not, who were key there. And then you have this last kind of more fuzzy thing, which is, if you're heavily reliant upon rookie production, they're also not going to produce as well and not going to be at the same level of usage and efficiency, probably, or at least usage early in the season as they're going to be later in the season too. Yeah. So I, I don't, uh, I, I usually take all the data from the current season and, and weight it equally. There's other metrics that I do uh, have a little bit less weight earlier in the season, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think especially, in I mean yes things do change in the NFL but I think you know over over the course of the season I'd rather weight things equally and then and then just try to make the subjective adjustments based on injuries uh, after the fact. Now that that makes sense. I mean there's there's always a trade off between 
wanting to downweight certain results and then the negatives of essentially decreasing your sample, right? Because if I'm saying I'm going to have last week be weighted 100% and 10 weeks ago weighted 60%, it's almost like my sample is now 1.6 of the data versus two. It would have been of the data if I had all of that sort of information in there from those from those games and it's and it's sure. decreasing it a bit there. So that is always a thing. I, I find that, and this is something that I've done, and maybe you can talk about this too. I've looked pretty heavily recently at whether or not I should make adjustments based upon gar- quote unquote garbage time, whatever that may mean. And I don't know when I'm looking straight at mm-hmm. win probability. And I think sometimes it's hard because like a team that's a 98% chance to win in the third quarter does not play most times. Like it's garbage time. Normally they're, right. that means they're up by, they could be up by 10 points with the ball at home as a favorite. And that would be, that would end up being the case. Um, so I can't really even find that much for garbage time. And if it is, I think people who eliminate plays where it's less than a 5% win probability or something like that are eliminating tons of plays that sure. have signal and have meaning and are not really garbage time. Do you look at that at all? Uh, I, I keep everything, but I mean, I've been meaning yeah. to do the study, I think particularly in college, right? Just bin your data into two college. Yeah. College definitely would be more important. Yeah. NFL. I can't find anything really. I keep everything. Um, college, I, mean, I, mean, I could see that and, but I would want to attach it specifically to like certain players being taken out of the game. Potentially. It just doesn't happen that sure. often in the NFL, like how, right. like a quarterback, right. there's some quarterbacks who are going to play every single snap this year. Um, very rarely are backup quarterbacks put in, in the NFL. Right, for sure. I mean, have you gone through and just binned up games into two different buckets and then looked at, you know, garbage time in one bucket versus normal time in the other bucket and look at how much yeah, it persists? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've done the old uh, Josh Hernsmeyer used to get <laughs> trouble for his binning. So I've done, I, I've binned up things by win probability, looking at different quarters, more so looking at the fourth quarter. That's when it starts to have a little bit of signal as to how mm-hmm. teams play. And then trying to get an idea of what the correlations are to their efficiency over the next five games versus what it is at different like uh, win probability bins, but pretty small too, because it makes a huge difference. Like 97 versus 99 is a pretty big difference in in these types of games. And again, I I don't know, the correlations look pretty strong at 99 or one as they do, as they do at 95 or five, as they do at 90 or 10. So I, I can't find anything other than when quarterbacks are taken out of the game. Well, then I would use all the data. Especially in the NFL. Yeah, and I'm not. Going to. I, I'm just asking I, you. Maybe you have a different yeah. opinion, you know? Maybe I mean, I think, I think the results would be more interesting in college. Um, yes. We should ask Bill if he's done that. But I agree. That, I agree. You, you get point differentials are bigger. Maybe now. So how does, how does the whole system work? Because before they were kind of incentivized for running up the score. But now I think it's right. been down. Like the, the assumption is it's been downweighted the score running up inness so maybe that again would would leave more room for teams to, to 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 throw out some of the results when teams are up by a bunch yeah i don't know i mean we have a playoff system it's going to 12 in a couple of years i don't feel like the running up the score is really in the conversation like it used to be in in the bcs right. era um yeah no i i don't i don't think that that is as much oh this is what I wanted to say, right? So, so we're talking about like, should we use like data that might not seem particularly relevant for our overall calculations? And what I found interesting yeah. is the people that have done the studies on uh, whether you should use preseason data to project the NFL 
or NBA or just about any yeah. uh, sport. And they found that, you know, there's a surprising amount of usefulness in that preseason data. Um, right. That there's any usefulness is surprising, probably. That there's any <laughs> usefulness is surprising. I actually went through and I actually, I, I can find it on my site somewhere, but I, I went through and took the three preseason games and I didn't just take margin of victory. I, um, I actually adjusted for opponent based on my algorithms and it didn't look great. Uh, you know, it had the Las Vegas Raiders at the very top by some extreme amount. It had the chargers at the very bottom. Um, and you know, I think a lot of the Chargers' struggles have been with injuries. So, uh, during the current season, uh, Las Vegas has certainly not really exceeded, uh, expectations too much. I, I, I'll have to go back, go back and look at it again. I mean, it, it's hard to kind of eyeball yeah. it. Right. And just, um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, from what be, I've seen there is like if you're gonna plot, if you're gonna like plot it out, there's there's a trend, but then if you're doing you know R squared or whatever on it, it's just extremely noisy around that around that trend. Yeah, no, it's certainly going to be noisy, but I, I think what Costia does is just just ask like you know what percentage if we wanted to predict regular season wins, like what percentage should we put to this just just even uh, point differential in preseason. Like, how much does that add to what the Vegas prior was in predicting actual wins in the NFL? And look, things are changing yeah. in the NFL, right? We only have three preseason games now. Quarterbacks aren't playing at all, so on and so forth. Um, certain teams, but, yeah. Certain teams are just playing all backups, like the Rams, for instance, are like playing Rams, all backups yeah. the entire time. Yeah, so things yeah. are changing. But, you know, like, there there was a surprising amount. I think, like, 16% you would put on the preseason da data versus what we – probably consider the strongest predictor of performance, which is the markets preseason. Like, yeah. That's a shocking amount. So I, I don't know. I yeah, find that, all that, is, stuff that interesting. is definitely and, shocking. And I think it relates to this question of garbage time too, right? It seems very irrelevant, but it's kind of like that preseason. I don't know. It feels like the preseason a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I, you know, there was actually another preseason NFL article, which I remember, which was looking at, rookie quarterback performance in the preseason versus how well they would do. And there, again, there was a correlation then uh, full disclosure. It was written. If I remember correctly, it was written in uh, 2014 talking about Blake Bortles <laughs> overperforming in the, in the preseason, but Hey, for a number three pick, you know, they're going to be bad most of the time anyway. So right. Bortles had, had a little bit of time to shine there, but that was another interesting thing for preseason. It did show some sort of signal in quarterback play in the preseason for rookies versus how good they would be during the regular season. Yeah. All right. Let's talk uh, a little bit more about your, process in your site before i get back to some some nfl stuff so you don't just do football there how many different sports are, are we juggling at this point now ed well the stuff that i do best is football and march madness um and that's what the only thing i feel like i can really ask people to pay, support me financially for and then yeah. uh you know i do i do a lot of other things i think over the last couple of years it's taken more of uh, a turn towards sports betting um, so, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for data driven insights, but, um, you know, for example, like if, if I know some better as a pro in a particular sport, I might ask them to, so what are you betting on this, this Saturday? And, you know, we'll, we'll include things like that, whether, whether or not it's, it, it's exclusively data driven or not. Um, I would say that like, you know, the most trafficked page on my site is my international soccer 
rankings. Uh, it happened. I mean, I've been doing it for over a decade and it got a lot of search engine juice at some point over that time. So it's kind of nice when you have something like the World Cup. Uh, there's a lot of people that that will come in and in international soccer, it makes a ton of sense to adjust for strength of schedule simply because you have, uh, you know, teams in Europe that play very tend to play pretty strong teams there. And that's a lot different when you're looking at Asia or Oceania. And, and, and so those things tend to come in handy uh, again. Like, I mean, all of it comes from a core idea that, you know, I have some math that allows me to take quantities and the simple, the simplest of which is margin of victory and then adjust for mm-hmm. who you've played. Um, and I do that on my site for a lot of things. Uh, you know, it's pretty interesting right now in college basketball, Connecticut's the best team in the country. If you only look at data from the current season and, you know, you can just see that on, on the public part of my site, uh, I do some baseball stuff as well, which is, which is kind of fun keeps people maybe a little bit interested. I actually got a lot of feedback when I stopped posting baseball predictions after the all-star break, like way more than I thought, like people like, what, why, why aren't you doing this? And the answer was the predictions always suck this time of year. I'll start again in the postseason. <laughs> but yeah, I heard that's a pretty common thing that it's hard. At, at, and then it gets, it can get a little bit, yeah. you can get something going on for there. Let, let's talk soccer for a second, because I, I'm predicting, you want to know a prediction from, from me? Yeah. I feel like, we hit a tipping point in American interest in, in soccer okay. a little bit here with this, with this World Cup. I mean, it was a great World Cup. It was a great finals. The American team got out of the group, at least. It's got some young players who people are going to be interested in. And even for me now, like I was watching some of these matches with my kids, and my wife was actually surprisingly more into it than some other sports. It keeps you engaged so you don't like start looking at your phone and then stop paying attention at all like during commercial breaks. And I've also noticed that, at least for us, like I have YouTube TV, there are a lot of options out there. The Premier League is is like NBC. All their different properties are going to have that. Even uh, the main French League is available on some channels via YouTube TV, and there's kind of a little bit more access to it. Do you think there's any chance of soccer like becoming a little bit more of a thing here in the States? I feel like we have this conversation every four years. <laughs> When but this World time Cup is happens. different. That's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> in 2014, you know, again, the U.S. got out of the group and, you know, everyone was going to be be interested in soccer. I think the truth is, like, you know, soccer has been growing in this country. And I feel like there's a lot of parallels to sports betting, right? Everyone's like, oh, is this going to blow up now that it's legalized? And and I can tell you from the inside that, no, it, it, it's increasing and it's growing. But, you know, I guess don't let the commercials be some indication that everything's blowing up. It's growing. It's going to continue to grow and it's going to continue to be a good thing. And I think that's the same way with soccer. I mean, the access that we have now is unbelievable. Uh, my 11 year old and I have decided we love German soccer and we can watch every single Bundesliga game on ESPN plus every single one. Yeah, that's pretty so we good. Can watch every Dortmund game. Yeah. And it's, it's just incredible. You can watch every La Liga game. And so, so there's a lot of access there. Um, you know, the, the Premier League is obviously going to take a lot of the, uh, you know, it's going to get a lot of the attention. But, you know, the best soccer is going to be in Champions League as we head towards May. That is the best soccer in the world. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I, I do think we'll get a little bit of a bump. Um, I think it was really good that the World Cup final was a high-scoring affair that Americans could say, oh, yeah, that, that kind of felt satisfying as opposed to, like, you know, one nothing 
Germany over Argentina in 2014. Um, yeah. So I, I think we'll get a we'll get a bump from that because I do think you know my text threads on Sunday morning were God, this is so boring. To oh my gosh, this is like the most amazing thing ever. But by, by the time yeah, we rolled yeah. past noon on on the East Coast and that game headed into extra time, um, but yeah, no, it was it was good. I I, I think it is going to grow. I don't know. I mean, are, do you feel like? I mean, are you gonna? Are you are you Kevin Cole going to flip on a Champions League at two p.m. Eastern time in February to see? I don't know. I don't even know what the matchups are. are you know, PSG versus probably not. Uh, Probably not. Probably not. But it depends. Like, again, it's about these some options. I mean, I, again, I, I'm basing way too much on personally. But what I've done is because I've noticed that my family kind of likes to, to watch it in regards to some other sports. Um, I mean, they like to watch everything, but then it becomes like more about the commercial sometimes for the kids than even the, the game itself since they're pretty young. Um, yeah. But I could go on YouTube TV now and click like premier league and just say click a button and now every single premier league game will get saved to like the internal DVRing type of process and just have that ready to go as opposed to the research and time and effort and whatever would have had to have come into it in the past if you had cable and and whatever other options yeah so what there was one yeah, after one World Cup, there was this idea that soccer was going to grow in the United States. This, I, I want to say like 2006, maybe. And you had this question, like, okay, now you have access to the Premier League. It's on cable TV. Like, who do you root for? And there was like this epic article, you know, some like 10,000 worder by Bill Simmons about like that went through every Premier League team and, you know, told you who you should root for, which, and, and there's so many people that I've talked to that are now soccer fans that kind of picked a team based on that article. So if anyone's listening out there and has to, this is a content idea, just, just dig into it. And, you know, or it might be interesting to kind of do it Europe, Europe wide. Right. So, yeah. You know, why should you like? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I think that the uh, who knows these players move around so much, so who knows? But I mean, both Mbappe and Messi play for the same, and um, and uh, why Neymar all play for the same team in the in the French yeah. in the French. And they're not league, even so that, that could get a bump too. They're not even remotely like the best team in Europe, though, which is kind of the funny part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is kind of crazy. All right, let's get back to the old American football talk here. So I think my rankings for some of these power rankings probably differ a bit from most in that I have the Kansas City Chiefs at number one and actually a pretty decent bump there. Maybe I'm giving way too much credit to offense before the Eagles and the Bills. How do you have those three teams, presuming that they're at the top for you also? Yeah, actually, you know, Kevin, I'm going to I'm going to stick with uh, stuff just based on the current season, because that's going to be what's. Yeah. Yeah, analogous to what you're doing well, you don't, and you yeah, don't I mean, have I to have, if you don't want to but i i like i like i like looking at the, the other stuff too well i mean it's it's going to be the most apples to apples and like yeah i have okay. those three teams right. i mean i have buffalo and philly first and second there's a little bit of drop off to kansas city but again like i mentioned like the defensive awesome. situation yeah the defense like you know i mean it's probably going to regress to, to average and um uh uh, let me just put it this way. I I should put more weight on offense because it's more predictive. So if you have Kansas City first because you weight offense more, I'm I'm certainly not going to disagree and probably 
I think I also have their strength of schedule against the pass as being more difficult. I mean, the Eagles, the thing that's tough for them is they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. So, like, their defense has looked pretty good, but their opponents have not been that difficult. The Bills would get a little bit more of a bump if I if they weren't playing poorly as of late. Again, I have I have like they were incredible the first couple of weeks yeah. of the season, the first few weeks right. of the season, especially getting pressure just without having to blitz or do anything else. So my numbers downweight that a little bit versus others. So I yeah. have like the the San Francisco's and the, the 49ers and the Bengals of the world closer to the Eagles and, mm. and the Bills than than right. the other way around. Where do you have those two teams? Well, they're next. So Cincinnati fourth, All right. boom. Niners fifth. I mean, what? I mean, are we are we just going to continue to go through this world thinking that Brock Purdy is not a downgrade to to anything that the Niners have before? I know his play on the. Well, field I wrote the Jimmy Garoppolo true. matters article. I wrote the Jimmy Garoppolo matters article, which you know gave something, and then Brock Purdy continued to come out there and and produce well. So here's what's happened with Purdy. I mean, I, you could just say this is also what happens with Garoppolo, but I guess. It happens over such a longer period of time for him that I'm a little bit more willing to, to believe in it. But Purdy, like the first week that he came in, they basically didn't really do anything on early downs and then just completed some big third downs and, and, and won that way. The second week, he did nothing from a clean pocket and he had a few pressured passes and some guys that were open and some big plays through there. And then this last week, again, it was basically a couple of wide open-ish yak, huge yak plays from George Kittle, mm-hmm. and then not really a lot of success, despite the fact that his completion percentage early started great. And he had that egregiously bad dropped interception, which didn't end up counting. But then again, you know, the, no, Jimmy Garoppolo is the, the master of the egregiously bad interception and dropped interception, both both varieties there. So right. maybe you could say it's just Shanahan. It sure is li- lining up well if you're like – Quarterback doesn't matter. Shanahan is all that matters. It's lining up well in that category. I guess I'm still a little bit concerned about Brock Purdy because Garoppolo was producing really, really well on third downs in his entire career, whether it was Shanahan before Shanahan with any combination mm-hmm. of receivers. And that's something that typically like really good quarterbacks are able to do because there's not a lot of smoke and mirrors in those situations. you got to sit back in the shotgun and deliver a pass. Yeah, for sure. I mean, from what I've seen of Purdy, it certainly seems like Shanahan is making life easy for him. But, you know, I mean, he hit an incredible touchdown against Tampa Bay. Uh, And so, but I don't know. I mean, we've seen, we know a lot about Brock Purdy. The guy who started at Iowa State for what, at least three years? And, you know, kind of, I remember talking about him as a freshman and having a top 25 pass offense. And, you know, he kind of never developed from there into, you know, a top, you know, even a top third, you know, uh, like not one of the best quarterback prospects. Right. So um, yeah, well, he, was, he was Mr. Mr. Irrelevant, as as mentioned plenty and plenty yeah. of times here. I do think we have a little bit more evidence on him, though, like a prior before he ever played for the fact that San Francisco now maybe it's just a cost cutting measure, but the fact that San Francisco let Chase Daniel go and said, we're going to have Brock Purdy as our third quarterback Mm -hmm. means something, I think, that they allowed to have. And also after Trey Lance went down, kept him as their backup means something. means he's shown something beyond what you'd expect from the very last pick of the NFL draft. Right. If if you think Brock Purdy is not a drop-off, I mean, I have San Francisco by eight 
over Washington. Yeah. But I'm, I, I, I just don't know if, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I feel like it, it's interesting because I was pretty, I was pretty loud about to some of my Niners fans about how they should have picked up Baker Mayfield, especially after Mayfield had that pretty late comeback win in his first game. Went, God, that was only like 10 days ago, right? 11 days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so again, I guess that just shows the small sample sizes we're dealing with here, but you know, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Of well, I guess, yeah. In retrospect, control. they wouldn't have had the opportunity to grab them either because the Rams had the the waiver claim before them. But yeah, yeah. they didn't even put in a claim. Uh, supposedly, is there any team you, are you going to shock me? Not shock me. You're going to surprise me with any team being higher or lower than where people's perception may be on them. Non Vikings category. You can't tell me the Vikings. <laughs> you can't even talk because about- everyone. Because everyone, yeah. everyone knows that it's been beaten into their minds. We don't need yeah. to talk about how the Vikings don't belong in the top 10 of of power rankings or the top, at least the top. You, you, they were number one in the pro football talk rankings after they beat the, after they beat the Bills. So we, we don't have to talk about the Vikings too much. Anyone else you got for me? I mean, I talked about one team already, New Orleans, uh, just to put some yes. numbers on it. Like when you just look at points and you adjust for who they played, they're like 27th um in the nfl but you have to put that with the fact that they're 12th when i look at adjusted passing success rate on offense and eighth on defense again a team that i i mean at least the underlying numbers suggest that they might be a little undervalued uh as opposed to a team that i think is probably overrated and i and i certainly think has been overrated in the markets uh let's go with the atlanta falcons um you know, the pass offense was pretty decent with Mariota in there. They 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 looked good, which I think was a surprise given how they came into the season. I thought this team was really intriguing uh heading coming into the season because I thought their two best players were their their cornerbacks. Uh so they picked up Casey Hayward mm-hmm. Jr. and then AJ Terrell had an outstanding season last year, which you can uh, kind of confirm with his PFF grade. I think he was one of the highest graded cornerbacks in the entire league. And then that kind of fell apart. Hayward's hurt. Terrell was hurt. Hasn't really performed at the same level. Their defense is terrible. And now Mariota's hurt. So even when you look at their numbers performance, they're, well, they're the sixth worst uh, in the NFL when you look at the data from the current season. But if you take a snapshot right now, they're even worse given their quarterback situation, starting yeah. a rookie, a lot of problems on, on defense. And I, I've been shocked every week to kind of, look at these markets value 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 the valuing them more than i think they should be i i really i've I've been enjoying betting against them it's a little bit tough this week because they're at baltimore and is lamar playing i I would presume no yeah probably not but yeah markets seem to say no they're they're like a they're in i mean the baltimore is going to make the playoffs it looks like no matter what so i think it's possible there's yeah. something outside. Yeah, now I'm with you on the Falcons. So I have them at 28th, and I haven't actually made, I just realized now, I haven't really made an adjustment for Ritter being in there. Uh, draft Twitter's favorite <laughs> favorite quarterback, uh, you know, had a sweet right. 3.7 yards per attempt in his first in his first start there. Um, yeah, it could be a little bit of rough sledding for them. So for them, so that would probably drop them even lower for me. So I think I would have them either 29th or 30th uh, with that adjustment. I mean, maybe maybe even worse. 
right? I mean, because I mean, you have them as worse than the Rams. I have, I have the Rams being worse, but maybe you're right. Maybe they're worse than the Rams. I guess <laughs> I really don't like the offense. Maybe, I guess Baker Mayfield. I should probably pump up the Rams, but yeah. Right, but I mean, what, but what about like Houston, right? That, but Houston's last. Yeah, no, Houston's yeah. last. I also have Indianapolis really low. Hmm. Do you like Indianapolis? I have Indianapolis at 24th based on data from the current season. Seems high. Yeah, you know, it gets, it, it gets, it gets tight around there. I don't know what's going on with them. I mean, Matt Ryan has shown something, but man, he looks pretty bad. Uh, some yeah. other times there, but I guess they did, they did almost get the win. So they got bumped up a little <laughs> bit for that performance. They almost got the win after being up 33 points. Yeah, I know Matt point. Ryan's going to have to wear that. Unfortunately for him, he's going to have 28, three. Now he's going to have uh, 33, 33, nothing. There's going to have 33, zero, both, both attached to his name. Um, okay. How about potential Titans versus Jags? So they both control their own destiny somehow intertwining destinies mm-hmm. here, because if they, either one of them went out, they win. Hopefully we're going to get a week 18 for the division matchup between the two of them. I have the Jags being a slightly better team. How do you see those two? Yeah, I have them both really in the fat middle. I have Jacksonville 18th yeah, based on data from the current season and Tennessee 22nd. But, you know, I mean, the difference between them is a point. So, you know, not a ton of difference. Um, a lot of people came in to the season with pretty big expectations about Jacksonville. And I think they have the higher ceiling, uh, you know, uh, with with a second year quarterback and and coaching that doesn't completely suck like last year, uh, I I don't you know I mean when you're when your best <laughs> when you're when your uh, proposition for winning football games is we're going to run Derrick Henry it doesn't seem like the best um, in a league that really kind of values pass offense, but I, I would see that as a pretty close game. Uh, I don't know, probably make it about two and a half point favorite if, if Jacksonville's at home there. What do you think about this Thursday? Jags, Jets. Yeah. Uh, in the New little... York, right? In New York. Um, looks like it's basically a pick. I mean, I see the Jets I... minus one or something like that. Yeah, it's an interesting Zach one. Wilson. Uh, yeah, Zach Wilson is obviously, you know, he made some throws against the Lions. Uh, yeah, yeah, he made he made some good throws. He made some he made some, made some bad throws, <laughs> some flutterers. Yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. I live here in Ann Arbor, and and uh, the Lions fever has certainly kicked up uh, as they have gone six and one over the past couple games. And yeah, you know, still I was I was digging into them this morning, and yeah, that secondary still sucks. But which I've been saying for I feel like years now. But going back to the Jets, I mean, I have Jets uh, about a two and a half point favorite in this game by my numbers. It seems like a lot with Zach Wilson starting. And again, like, you know, clearly the Jets defense is a lot better than it was last year. I think PFFS Sauce Gardner rated as one of the highest cornerbacks ever, which I think is a little bit surprising as for a rookie. And, you know, honestly, probably one direction uh, that kid can go after having such a good rookie year. But (laughs) yeah. Uh, so again, defense isn't as predictable as offense. So they're probably a little bit high. I think closer to a pick is probably the right number. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, it'll, it'll be, it'll be an interesting one. That, that it will be. Okay. So 
We also have it. What's interesting here is the Saints. I'm pretty high on the Saints. I'm also kind of high yeah. on the Browns. So the Browns, as we mentioned, this ridiculous weather game. They're three point favorites, yeah. so it gets up to the three. What? What do you are you leaning Saints then in that one? It's a really tough one. I mean, what what do you, what is going to happen in 16 degree weather and 20 plus mile per hour winds? Right? I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, running the ball, I guess, which is maybe why people would figure that the Browns have a bit of an advantage there. Exactly. And so that's why it's a little bit, uh, yeah, I want to bet, I want to bet new Orleans here. I haven't done it and I might not simply for that reason, just with the weather conditions. I mean, if this were, you know, in new Orleans, it'd be a completely different story. And, and, and I think, you know, it might be a type of game where, where we start seeing some of these underlying metrics for, for new Orleans, maybe show up on the, the scoreboard. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that's kind of a stay away from me, especially with how talented I think Deshaun Watson is and whether you can get back to that. I mean, I guess probably not in this game with with that those kinds of weather conditions. Um, but, I mean, I am definitely looking at New Orleans uh, in, 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 the, in the last two weeks of the season for value. Okay, how about this? Speaking of the Lions, who everyone likes, I like to be contrarian. And yeah. my numbers show a little bit of an edge here on the Panthers at Mm -hmm. home versus the Detroit Lions as you got the three they're the three-point underdog I know they lost to Pittsburgh um, but they've been going up quite a bit and it kind of depends I know Darnold's is whatever but he's probably he's going to do better than what Walker and and Mayfield had done so far this year before and they've they had some underlying talent it wasn't a team that I was totally out on to start the season um mm-hmm. what do you think about that are the lions getting a little bit over pumped here as a three-point road favorite against carolina i'm a little bit worried that detroit is uh, the, that the bandwagon is getting a little too full both in detroit and in the markets um you know you look at that team none of the secondary grades out that well they still have the third worst coverage grade by by pff grades their past defense numbers when i look at adjusted success rate aren't great yes they've scored a lot of points you know it's interesting pff has never liked jared goff in any way shape or form since he's gotten to detroit <laughs> yeah. uh, but amon ross a brown looks like amazing um so you know he is certainly becoming a star in this league uh which started at the end of last year um so I don't know. I, I still don't think Detroit's good, but it's kind of like a feel-good story. And my numbers also see value in Carolina. Um, and I'm not really sure what to think about that. Um, I mean, you know, obviously a lot of the pieces that you had faith in, such as McCaffrey, are, are no longer there, right? So, and they do have some injuries on on defense. So I'm, I'm not sure how much of a pulse they're going to have there. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, what, what that one's interesting. That one I find interesting. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, what, what, what other case can you make for Carolina? I don't know that they're not that the, the Lions defense still stinks and they seem like a functional team. Um, I mean, they have like a good defense. Their defense is still pretty good. Their defense was pretty good last year. It's just, it was self destructing on offense and offensively, you know, they rebuilt the offensive line. Uh, they still have some talented receivers there. They've been able to run the ball pretty well this season. I don't know. I just feel like they're an okay enough team where that seems a little hefty. 
at home. And it's kind of more based on their reputation for the implosion in the first half of the season than necessarily who they've been since then. Okay. A couple other ones here that are interesting to me. Uh, Packers dolphins. Dolphins are four and a half point favorites at home. Packers need to win out to have any chance of making the playoffs here. The Dolphins had this weird game against the Bills because they went up a little bit in my numbers despite losing because they were, you know, the eight-point lead in the fourth quarter. They played pretty well. They had a decent success mm-hmm. rate. But it was really all the running game. Tua was not very was, was not doing anything. He had his one long touchdown, which seems to come with regularity. So maybe you can give the Dolphins a little bit more credit for those outlier plays than you would for other teams having those players. But I don't know if it was a great, successful offensive performance for them against a Green Bay team that's starting to look a little bit better. What do, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I mean, this is – I mean, essentially with – uh, teams like Green Bay and Tampa Bay, where the underlying metrics like them more than what we've seen on the scoreboard, it's been on those teams basically every week. And so it's not surprising that, you know, I have Miami winning by a point in this game, certainly seeing value on the Green Bay side. And I think given the health that they're starting to get, uh, I, I mean, I think you can make a case for that. Um, and I want to say, hold on, let me look up one thing real quick. I think. If you look at just uh, the data from this year, it would make Miami a three-point favorite. So yeah. Yeah, even if you – with, with how bad the season has been for Green Bay, all the injuries, all the lack of um, – oh, I mean, and at one point in the season, I was definitely uh, trying to build up this Green Bay team, saying the underlying metrics are a lot better than they seem. You know, they had, I think, like a 400-yard game in Buffalo where – they they had a lot of red zone problems. They had, you know, in that Buffalo game, they had a couple fourth downs that they did not convert in Buffalo uh, territory that could have put more points up. They actually covered in that game and probably could have done better had they converted a couple of those fourth downs. And, you know, Rodgers certainly hasn't been as good as he normally is, but, you know, I certainly don't agree with the Green Bay people that want to see Jordan Love out there either. Yeah, so, that was ridiculous. I, I let that take happen at the time, which is kind of funny how it's just it's just floated away at this point. The people who right. were like, "Oh, we should start Jordan Love," and then now that's just kind of like, oh, "We didn't say that." You know, let's just let's <laughs> Wait, we won. that we, take. We, is, we beat the Rams. Why, why are you always bringing up old that. stuff? Why are you always bringing up old stuff? We're on to our new takes at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I I haven't been anything else. Anything yet. else you got for me that. for week six week sixteen here that you might be interested in before I I let you go. Sorry, a bet? Did you say anything? 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 Week sixteen? Anything to look for? Any any games that you're interested in? Any anything going on for this? Uh, for any, anything else that I haven't brought up? Yeah, I mean I'm looking forward to this Eagles Cowboys game. Uh, doesn't look like Hertz is going to play. The Marcus doesn't think that Hertz are going to play. I'm not really sure what to think about Dallas. I mean, they've kind of been up and down again, a team that uh, has been good, that has looked good on defense, but that's less predictable than, than what we see on offense. Um, I kind of still have my reservations about the Eagles. I mean, I think this stretches all the way back to last season where I was betting against the Eagles and watching the markets move completely in the opposite direction, people backing the Eagles. And as we head into the current season, you kind of see what, they were thinking, right? I mean, there is a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive line. Jalen Hurts has, has looked really good. 
And, but you know, what's going to happen without them. Uh, I think there's a lot of things uh, going on in that game. Maybe not from a betting perspective, but I want to see how uh, Eagles come out and play in that game. And, you know, I mean, if the Eagles have hurts, I mean, they are the Super Bowl favorite coming out of this conference. And I, I guess I want to see how much I should believe that based on their play against probably, you know, probably their biggest opposition in, in the conference. Yeah, I mean, we're telling you, it's, we're, it's at five and a half now. So you're right. There's definitely indications and news out there that hurts may not play. What's interesting about this one is the Eagles don't really have anything to play for. Like, uh, I compared it to uh, Dumb and Dumber, him saying he still had a chance, like the one in a million chance. That's like the Vikings chance of getting the <laughs> the number one seed. They need to win all their games, everyone lose all their games, that sort of stuff. So um, right. the Eagles are pretty much locked in, so it makes some sense. But the thing is, the Cowboys are like pretty locked in to, to what they're doing anyway. Uh, they mm-hmm. can't get the number two seed because they're not going to win their division. Right. So there's right. no real worry as far as that is concerned. Uh, maybe there's like this outside chance. I'd have to look at all the different playoff scenarios that they might lose out on a home game if someone else wins and upsets in the in the in the wild card round. But really, they don't. And you know, Dak Prescott's a guy where he was injured to start the season. He has a little bit of yep. an injury track history. I thought they might be the team also down the stretch here to really think about um, resting some players too, or platooning some players, maybe not a quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, but that's something to think about. I think for this matchup too. For sure. I mean, weren't some people were talking about whether Dak should get his job back when he was. Uh, <laughs> no one's serious. Okay. But did, did, I want, was-, was it, was it like Cooper Rush? Was it? I mean, Jerry Jones. And so again, no one's serious. Uh, yeah, but, no one's but, serious. but Jerry Jones had a he had actually had a well parsed statement on my belief on that one, where he said it would be good news if there was a quarterback controversy because that means Cooper Rush would have played well. He didn't say that like right. he actually thought that it was real, like there was really going to be a. Yeah, I think that was actually a very like intuitive, you know, like. If that happens, then we'll be in a right. good position, sort of, sort of, sort of statement. But yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. Dak is one of these guys where I, I see, I think I follow on Twitter more people who like Dak than the Dak haters because the Dak haters are probably very irrational sort of crew. So I see right. more reactions to Dak hating than I see actual Dak hating. Like I see more people saying, right. I can't believe anyone thought it was a quarterback controversy. Or this weekend when he threw that interception at the end, which was off of Noah Brown's hands, and then when yeah, that was showing and be like, it's not his fault, it's not his fault. It's like, well, you know, I get it. Like uh, I guess I just don't see that side, the dark side of social right. media where people are just trashing Dak for everything that's not his fault. I'm sure it exists though. Oh, I'm sure it exists too. I think I saw it on a broadcast or something like that. Which I mean, obviously doesn't oh, yeah. make less trash. Much I don't, sense I don't at watch all. <laughs> What's that? I said I don't watch. I can't watch any NFL shows or pregame. Every single time I try no. to tune into a pregame show, I'm just like, "What the hell am I doing here?" Like, I get it, coach. They need to establish the run. Like, what am I watching? I mean, you know how many pe- millions of people watch that, <laughs> right? Like, it's hopefully like it's the getting second- less and less, but. No, I mean, I think simply because it's before a game that normally gets what twenty million people watching it, you know, it, you know, it's like has I higher because ratings. They need, than it. they need like Rex Ryan's insight into <laughs> into what into what uh, it's going to drive this. So the thing that drives me crazy is okay. So here's I was going to do a post about this. Tell me if you think this is a good post or not. 
So I was going to do a post, but I was going to say, we're all in the prediction business. Okay. Everyone's in the prediction business. All these shows, they're not like strictly breaking down film. And even if they are, even these like Dan Orlovsky moments where he's like, you know, I'm going to talk about what happened in this play and where are my cool shoes and, you know, and toss it over to Ryan Clark. Even then there you're watching because you want to know like how, what actually happened and thinking about what's going to happen in the future. You're listening to these guys talk about what these teams are doing. Cause you want to know what's going to happen in the future. But the problem is none of these guys have any idea how to make predictions, right? They understand yeah. football, but they're awful at predictions and understanding predictions. It's like the super forecast book about the fact that experts are the worst at making predictions so that's mm -hmm. why the whole thing is just entertainment but yet it's a prediction entertainment it's like a bad tout it's basically like a bad tout <laughs> industry is all of sports media your thoughts yeah i i mean i i'm not i'm not 100 sold that the average pregame show is about prediction i think every piece of media is some you know, linear combination of projection versus entertainment. And it's just a matter of the balance. So my business, like, I don't know, it's 90, 90% prediction and 10% entertainment. And honestly, I should spend less time on that 10% than, than I already do right now. Um, when you start yeah. talking about broadcasts, you know, I mean, maybe, I don't know, 80, 90% entertainment, because there's no consequence for those guys to be wrong in any real sense. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, definitely I mean, I, I mean I'm obviously that. wrong a lot on my takes and, and, and some of the, the games that I, that I send out, but I guess there's more consequences there. Right. So, because I mean, I do base my business on, you know, how well my math models work and, and my math models work, how well my math models work directly affect a lot of my content, obviously. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, um, I would be boring as hell in any of these shows. Don't get me wrong. Um, but if you want, you, you you can find a clip out there. Before before I go, I'll just tell the, the listeners here. You can find a clip out there of Stephen A. Smith. It's absolute classic of entertainment versus prediction where he's asked. I can't remember the ordering of the questions. I don't know. He was asked who's going to win the he was asked who's going to win between the Raiders and the Chargers as one question. And then he was asked okay. who's going to score the most points this weekend as another, as another question. And he answered that the Raiders were going to win. And then later he said, who's going to score the most points this weekend? And he said, the Chargers are going to score the most of anyone yeah. in the NFL, of anyone in the yeah. NFL. So it's like that kind of shows you how predictions and entertainment don't, don't go hand in hand. Somehow the Chargers were going to score the most points in the NFL in the weekend, but then not win their game. Right. And somewhere between those two questions was Stephen A mouthing off about whatever he mouths off about. And I mean, he's, he's, he's an icon. He's an icon. So I'll, I'll give it up to him. He's doing a lot of things over there. But, maybe but he's I using my know. adjusted scores for some of this. So I have to, uh, maybe he was actually referencing adjusted scores most points, but did not <laughs> win the actual game. Maybe he's, a, right, maybe he's a reader of the unexpected points Substack. actually. Is, is there a serious question though? Do you personally know yeah. anyone that tunes into like Stephen Smith on a regular basis, Stephen A. I I don't, but they would they tell you if they were or were like how do you identify them in the wild? Or or how would you know ask if or you're, just like so in the background? What about it just in the background? People probably have the stuff in the background, right? I remember way back in the day, I used to watch those like Around the Horn and mm -hmm. PTI. So I used to have that on and. 
it's a little bit better, I would say, than the first take sort of sort of stuff, but it's not great also. It's not great, but I mean there's there's certain there's a certain amount of yelling entertainment that comes from Stephen A, right? That I don't know. I don't know. I just I just I I personally never talk to anyone that would say that they like Stephen A. Well, I don't know. So, He's the highest, highest paid personality in sports. I media. understand that. I mean, certainly people are tuning in for whatever reason. I guess I just don't get. I mean, look. I mean, we're, we're preaching. To, I mean, I'm talking to the choir here with with your listeners. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I guess okay, you well, could we'll say the to... same things about CNN and the hot takes there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get we'll, we'll get Stephen A. on the pod sometime. We'll have him discuss his, his philosophy to prediction making. But in the meantime, Ed, where can the people find your content at the Power Rank on Twitter? Uh, anything you want to plug? You want to talk about right now as we're going into Week 16 of the NFL season? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm at the Power Rank on Twitter. Thepowerrank.com is my website. If you want to get a taste for uh, what goes on. Uh, both on the site and behind the paywall. You can sign up for my free email newsletter. Uh, try to talk about bets that I make, although I'm <laughs> really struggling with that this week. And uh, I also send out, uh, you know, sports betting newsletter and tips uh, every Saturday, which I which I think people like. So, yeah, sign up for that there. Uh, I also run the Football Analytics Show podcast, which is a lot of fun because I get to talk to people like Kevin and uh oh yeah also yeah if you sign up for the newsletter like i i usually make my playoff nfl predictions available as a separate product so you don't have to sign up for the recurring membership and uh, i'm going to do that again and i've been working on some like kind of like premium audio podcast uh episodes for my podcast i'll probably throw some of those in there so it might be an interesting time to just you know without much of a commitment check out some of the the premium stuff that i that i do over at the site yeah, go sign up for the newsletter, go to the site, go subscribe, go get uh, This American Lifestyle podcasting from, from, from the analytics perspective from Ed here. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining me. And everybody out there, have a great week 16. 